The legacy media prioritize liberal talking points over issues that actually matter to Canadians. Plus, David Suzuki is a crazy person. Why does the legacy media still take him seriously? It's Fake News Friday. I'm Candice Malcolm, and this is The Candice Malcolm Show. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's Fake News Friday, the day that we go over the worst examples of how the media in Canada are completely biased, are completely in the tank for the Trudeau liberals, or are just simply pushing an agenda. They are not neutral. They cannot be trusted. And to make matters worse, they take money from the Trudeau government, which makes the whole thing a conflict of interest. So, so many journalists pretend to present the news. This is kind of interesting. So today I'm doing a presentation to a group of elementary school students about the profession of journalism, about the idea of uh, the purpose of journalism, what journalists do day in and day out. And it's a fun opportunity to just sort of reflect upon my profession and, and sort of go back and read some of the very basics about journalism. And the idea is that there are several different types of journalism. So there's straight news journalism, which is just reporting the facts like the uh, premier says this, prime minister says this, reporting facts to Canadians. Then there is the investigative journalism. So the type of journalism where you dig in and you you find something that is inconvenient to those politicians, something that contradicts what they say. So, so a great example of that type of investigative journalism is when you, you catch journalism saying one thing and then doing something very different. And this came out so much during COVID, especially just in the age of social media where everyone has a, a phone and everyone can take pictures. So you have instances where you see, for instance, the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, uh, saying that restaurants are closed and that you can't eat inside. And then someone catching him at a very expensive restaurant, French Laundry, up in the Napa Valley, doing exactly what he said other people can't do. Uh, we saw this example also with Canada's health minister, Patty Haiju, where she was very, very adamant that Canadians wear masks. And then we found a picture of her in the airport not wearing a mask. And sure, you know, her office and her team says, oh, well, she was eating or she was on a phone call. You can, you can clearly see from the picture that that's not the case. And so th these kind of things are very powerful because they undermine the trust um, of the politician. So that's the sort of investigative news stuff. And then finally, you have opinion pieces. I write an opinion column in the Toronto Sun. It's fact-based, it's it's informed, it's my opinion based on facts and true information, but it's still my opinion. And so you can take away the grain of salt, you can agree with me or disagree with me. Now that's all textbook, right? The reality is that there is just so much gray area when it comes to journalism and, and so many instances where you have a reporter pretending to present the facts, saying this is straight news, these are the facts, Whereas in reality, when you when you parse through what they say, when you when you look at the 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 words that they choose, the information that they choose to put in versus what they omit, uh, the types of people that they interview as evidence for their story, it becomes very clear that it is biased, that it is not straight news, that it is in fact infused with opinion, and this has created, quite frankly, a crisis in my profession, a crisis in journalism when it comes to the authority of journalists, when it comes to the neutrality of journalists. It's all being called into question, and then layer on top of that this idea that now these journalists are taking money from the federal government, which just creates a conflict of interest. You can't have reporters claiming to be objective in covering the news when they are reliant and dependent on the politicians they cover to pay their salaries or to help make ends meet or to ensure the survival of their media outlets. So, so there is a crisis within journalism and why we have a business model that works in a time when all of these journalists are going hat in hand to the government begging for money, when so many of them are laying off journalists and, and drinking their newsrooms. Uh, True North is growing. We're actively recruiting, hiring new journalists. It's really, really exciting. And it's because we offer something different. We tell the other side, 
we're also transparent. You know where we stand on things. You know that we have an editorial position that is conservative, small c conservative, and you know that we don't take any money from government, that all of our funding comes from the support of viewers like you. If it wasn't for the generosity of Canadians, we wouldn't have a business model. But because people believe in our journalism, they support us, they they pay for us, and that is how we're able to stay on the air. So so we do offer this great contrast in, in journalism. And so that gets me to the story, uh, main story I want to focus on today, which is the fact that the House of Commons is back. We have Parliament sitting again finally after almost two months after the federal election. We finally have MPs back in Ottawa, back to work. We had a throne speech. And if you were to watch the media, watch the reaction, you would think that the biggest issue in the country, the biggest, most important thing facing Canadians today is the vaccine status of conservative MPs. That is all we heard about. That is what the media was was blaring. That's the message we heard from liberal MPs. And you can see how the liberal MP message gets morphed into the headlines of the media. So, so it goes straight from the uh, partisan liberal talking points and then the, the media just sort of pick it up, hook, line and sinker, report it to Canadians as if that is the biggest story. And, and the, re the reason for this, of course, is that the liberals don't want to talk about the record. They don't want to talk about what they're doing. They don't want to talk about the economy, the, the, the anemic growth, the huge spending, the huge debt, the in runaway inflation. They don't want to talk about any of those economic issues. So they want to distract Canadians. And they do so by fooling the media into thinking that the biggest issue in the country is the vaccine status of conservative MPs. So this is a montage of liberal MPs basically telling the media what to report on. This is their partisan political spin, their talking points, and this is what they have to say about the biggest issue in the country. Well, I think it's fair to say that uh, medical exemptions being as rare as they are, it's kind of surprising to hear that out of 120 odd uh, conservative MPs, there might be multiple when the requirement for a medical exemption is something on the order of one in 10,000 or one in 100,000. Um, you keep mentioning that, um, have you gotten a list about how many Conservative MPs or any MPs in the House for that matter have medical exemptions? You keep saying that it's statistically improbable and mentioning 119. Do you have a number that's being put forward of how many MPs uh, say they have medical exemptions? I understand. Again, we're, we're, we're dealing because we won't be giving clear answers. We're dealing in, in, um, uh, in shadows. Uh, so I understand there to be multiple members. Uh, that's how it has been categorized. Um, and, uh, you know, if they were to say they had one member, then there's, you know, one in five and a hundred thousand, one member out of 119, exceptionally unlikely, uh, but possible multiple. Uh, if you start, I mean, just start doing the statistical math. If you have multiple people out of 119 and you're saying one to five and a hundred thousand, uh, that's just not, it's just not even remotely in, uh, in any kind of math that makes sense. We're focused on fighting climate change, we're focused on growing the economy, we're focused on reconciliation, the kinds of things Mr. O'Toole should be focused on. Instead, he's focused on getting exemptions for his, uh, his MPs. Uh, that doesn't make sense. So, 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 so that's, the, that's the political partisan talking points of the Liberals. And now let's look at the media and what they're talking about, because lo and behold, surprise, surprise, it is eerily similar that the headlines, the talking points that you hear from the journalists when it comes to the important issues facing Canadians, finally the House of Commons is back in session, and this is what they're reporting on. So here's Evan Solomon doing the Liberals' dirty work, asking the question, the exact question that the Liberals want asked. Tell us the number, we can lay this darn thing to rest. Evan, 
what we asked our caucus to do was to comply with the order from the Board of Internal Economy. And we did not. Right, we but did just not how many? Them. So we, just we did, tell us how many had them. a medical exemption. You, you'd have but to you ask don't know? the House You of don't Commons know how many got vaxxed? We, we, did, we just asked them to comply with the directive from the Board of Internal Economy. And so that question could be answered right. by, by House administration, who we have every confidence I, did their due diligence. Okay. And so, and so we saw that Liberal MP Adam Van Coverden, the former Olympic athlete, talking about how he thought it was strange that there were medical exemptions among the Conservatives. And look at that. Global News reports exactly, exactly the same headline. Statistically improbable, multiple Tory MPs have valid COVID vaccine exemptions. That's according to Global News. So again, they're doubting whether or not these Conservatives are being truthful. And, and, and here's the Toronto Star again, emphasizing that this must be the most important issue in the country. Vaccination policy dogs Aaron O'Toole as Conservative MP tests positive for COVID vaccines. So again, you could be forgiven for thinking this is just the biggest issue in the world. And so in response to all this, here we have Conservative MP Pierre Polyev pointing out what he thinks is probably actually a much, much bigger issue to Canadians, a bigger deal to Canadians, which is, of course, the skyrocketing cost of living in this country, the insane prices that we're seeing at the gas pump in the grocery store when we're out buying our Christmas gifts. Pierre Polyev talking about the real story and not just doing that, but calling out the media calling out the media saying, look, you're, you're being duped. You're being duped. You're doing the liberal dirty work. Let's see, Pierre Polyev saying just that. But yeah, listen, uh, Mark Holland's not a doctor. What he is is a politician. And the only, uh, the only thing he's trying to accomplish is to distract people from his inflation tax. I mean, the number one issue facing Canadians that they want, the people want addressed in this speech from the throne is the skyrocketing cost of living. Liberals who have caused that uh, crisis now want to distract from it by talking about everything else uh, under the sun. Um, and I reiterate, the Liberals must announce a plan to end the inflation tax in today's speech from the throne. That's what Canadians and Conservatives are demanding. So, of course, Pierre Polyev is completely correct in, in talking about the real issues that matter and calling out the media for just doing the dirty work for the Liberals. So interestingly, surprisingly, maybe, the CBC did pick up on this issue, talking about how Pierre Polyev was talking about inflation as the biggest issue facing Canadians and something that Justin Trudeau is personally responsible for in the, in the way of his out-of-control spending, his huge surge of the printing of money, which of course is the cause of inflation. Uh, here is Aaron Weary, probably Justin Trudeau's number one fan in the CBC, and, and, and that's saying something because there are a lot of number one fans for Justin Trudeau over in the CBC, but Aaron Weary probably takes the cake for the biggest Trudeau supporter over there. And so this is what he says about Pierre Polyev's point. It says, the Conservatives' inflation argument is flawed, but it still might work. The surge in price is being driven by factors outside of Ottawa's control. But politics is politics, says Aaron Weary. So, of course, this has nothing to do with Justin Trudeau. It has nothing to do with Justin Trudeau. It's because of the supply chain and because of global finances. And, and this is my favorite. He defends Justin Trudeau because, I guess, Trudeau doesn't know the cost of a package of bacon or the price of a two-by-four. So Aaron Weary goes into a long defense about how Justin Trudeau would never have to go to a grocery store that's so beneath him. And, and how dare conservatives even suggest that he go to a grocery store and he's not responsible for 
fixing the official residences of the prime minister. So how would he possibly know what the price of a two by four is? Uh, to Aaron Weary, the, the idea that Justin Trudeau is so out of touch that he doesn't know how much things cost in the country, it's, it's not because it would have been his job as an individual to go grocery shopping or to go out and buy lumber, but perhaps that as a prime minister, as a politician, as a prime minister, a leader of this country, he would take the time to inform himself, that he would bother to, to, to ask Canadians to talk to people, even to talk to people in his staff uh, to find out these kind of things. So, so the fact that Aaron Weary here, the, the neutral journalist over at the CBC, is going out of his way to defend Trudeau on something that's perfectly reasonable, that a prime minister and a politician should be aware of the cost of things in their country, uh, just shows you how in the tank CBC and Aaron Weary in specific are for Trudeau. Then Aaron Weary goes and cherry picks a bunch of left-wing economists to say that uh, the inflation doesn't have anything to do with government programming and that, that it's totally different. And one of my favorite lines in this piece that I want to point out is as an example of how journalists sometimes stealthily infuse their own opinion into a news piece is that in this, in this, in this report, he doesn't talk about government spending once. The word spending or expenditures or the money spent doesn't, doesn't, isn't mentioned in this piece. Neither is the printing of money or, or the monetary policy. And instead, when, when Weary wants to talk about government spending and the increase in government spending, this is the way he phrases it. So he's talking about Kevin Page, who's a former parliamentary budget officer who did an interview on CBC. And it said, and, and Kevin Page did say that, of course, spending is one of the reasons that drive inflation. But this is the way that Aaron Weary phrases it. He doesn't say spending. He doesn't say expenditures. He doesn't say anything like that. Instead, he uses the word support. He says, but he did suggest that government support was boosting consumer demand. So, so, so he doesn't even bother to use the accurate word of what we're talking about, which is how much money the government spends, the so government spendings. Instead, he uses the liberal euphemism, government support, which, which sounds so much better. It sounds so much more friendly and, and something that people can get behind as opposed to spending, which might make you think, hey, why, why is the government spending so out of control? So of course, there are real issues at play in this country. There are really serious things, aside from whether or not conservative MPs are vaccinated. So over at TNC.news, we had a report economic issues take a backseat in Trudeau government's throne speech issues pertaining to Canadians economic livelihood such as inflation supply chain disruptions and the ballooning federal debt took a backseat in the speech from the throne on Wednesday as the 44th parliament session convened other issues like reconciliation with indigenous peoples and tackling climate change were at the forefront of the liberal government's priorities in total inflation and supply chain each received one measly mention, while the federal debt received no mention at all. And True North wasn't the only ones who noticed this. McDonald Laurier Institute also said that the throne speech lacked any serious thought on tackling inflation. So it's just clearly not a priority to the Liberals. And rather than the media talking about that or bringing concern about that, they would much, 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 much rather talk about the things that the partisan Liberals want them to talk about, which is the vaccine status of conservative MPs. Well, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about David Suzuki, good old David Suzuki, the CBC golden boy who is back in the news this week because he was inciting terrorism. He was calling for terrorism in the news. David Suzuki says that pipelines will be blown up if leaders don't take action on climate change. That sounds like terrorism. That sounds like inciting terrorism or warning about terrorism. This is the kind of thing that a crazy, crazy person would say. And of course, David Suzuki is those things. So here is David Suzuki saying that. We're in deep, deep doo-doo. And they've been telling us, the leading experts, for over 40 years. This is what we're come to. The next stage after this is there are gonna be pipelines blown up if our leaders don't pay attention to what's going on. 
So David Suzuki, after making those insane comments, was reached by the National Post on Monday, and he said that violence within the environmental movement is already happening, although he identified the police action against the anti-logging and the anti-oil and gas pipeline protesters as a culprit. So he said that the violence was being carried out by police, asked whether he would support the bombing of pipelines. Suzuki said, of course not. Of course, it's not the first time that David Suzuki has said crazy things. In a 1972 clip, David Suzuki compared humans to maggots. That's what he thinks of humans. That's what so many people in the environmental movement think of humans. They elevate the earth and, and the natural environment above human life, above the dignity um, and liberty of individuals. That's nothing new. David Suzuki once called for politicians who ignore climate science to be jailed. Suzuki called for an end to immigration, saying that our country was already full, Canada's full, and he called the program disgusting. And, and yet, despite all this craziness, all the evidence of him being off his rocker, the legacy media love to hold him up as a hero, as an activist, as something that we should all aspire to, and they still regularly have him on. He, he was on CTV a few weeks ago talking about the COP26 summit. He is frequently on CBC. And he is still frequently the subject of glowing profiles, loving profiles in Canada's legacy newspapers. Why do the legacy media hold up someone who is clearly a fringe far left activist? Well, because he shares their values. He, he shares their worldview. And because of that, they see nothing wrong. Even when he is outwardly calling for violence, outwardly calling for terrorism, this tells you everything you need to know about what is wrong with the worldview of so many in the legacy media that think that there's nothing wrong with David Suzuki and therefore they continue to hold him up as a saint. And it's just another reason why you should be incredibly skeptical of the legacy media here in Canada. It's Fake News Friday. I'm Candace Malcolm and this is The Candace Malcolm Show.